Support for this episode of Inside the Natural State is provided by Mountain Valley Spring Water. Bottled continuously since 1871 right here in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Mountain Valley Spring Water has been the go-to for U.S. Presidents, Elvis, Sugar Ray Robinson, and even Triple Crown winner Secretariat. Visit mountainvalleyspring.com to find your local distributor today. Welcome to Inside the Natural State. It's another week of fun. This is Steve, your host, and joined this week by my buddy Andy. How you doing, Andy? I'm okay, I guess. Yeah? I don't really know how this weekend went, maybe. It, it was a very frustrating weekend as a hog fan. I'm kind of hurt. Yeah. I, I don't know what to think. I mean... The basketball team didn't show up on Saturday. You can't start 14 down. The, no, no. The baseball team inexplicably lost three in a row this weekend. Um, I don't know, man. It's been a rough weekend. It was a rough weekend for Hog fans um, on those two sports. Uh, it, was a, it, it was just... The women's ball team won. Yeah, so the women's basketball team finished out their season. Uh, second time in history to get to 10 SEC wins. Uh, into the regular season with a 75-71 win, win over LSU. Uh, that secures the five seed in the conference tournament. So uh, that was big. I mean, the women's basketball team's on a roll. Mike Neighbors is doing big things. We knew we knew what, what would happen there. Um, Mike Mike's a great coach. I mean, we knew what we were getting anyway. So um, he's done a phenomenal job with that with that program and. Uh, Got to got to expect them to be in the tournament. Obviously, um, should be should be in. I know the last time we looked, they were about a seven seed. So, would assume that they'll be in. Um, man, and then also the uh, indoor or the the track team just keeps winning in championships. General. Yeah, just in general. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They did win the SEC indoors this weekend. Both men's and women's won it. So yeah, that was pretty. Um, yeah, shocking there. But uh, uh, man, what else is going on with you? Oh, not a lot. Just yeah. enjoying life, enjoying work. Yeah, trying to hobble First around. First time in a long time. Yeah, it's good to be back. If you need uh, need any tires or any of that good stuff, where where, where, where should they go? I think uh, you should stop by Big Jake's Tire in uh, Benton, Arkansas. It might be a good place to start. Yeah, come find Andy. Yeah, come find Andy. <clears throat> He's the big guy, the ginger. Can't miss me. The big ginger. Big beard, big head, big everybody. Yeah, he'll be limping around too. Don't hobble. Let him, I hobble. Don't let him hit you with your cane. Yeah. Looking like the hunchback in Notre Dame. Yeah, absolutely. So need that? Go see, <laughs> go, go see Andy, man. He'll take good care of you. Uh, man, it's like I said, tough weekend. Um, you know, hopefully everybody, you know, the the basketball team can bounce back this week. We'll get into that a little bit here with Hogball Blog. Um, of course, we'll man, get into baseball as well. But they need to. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can't can't say that I'm surprised by what we saw out of the basketball team on Saturday. I mean, it's, this is, you know, this team's been up and down. They've not played well. It's a Jekyll and Hyde week though. Yeah. But the baseball team was surprising to me. I didn't, you know, Oklahoma and Texas are good teams. Baylor while going three and oh, I mean, in that tournament, they just lost two out of three at home to ORU. So it's not like that's a, a, uh, a, a big time Baylor. ORU is typically pretty good when it comes down to it. They usually make the, the field, so to speak. To yeah, I don't know that they're having – well, I'm not even going to say that because I haven't looked into what they've done. But It is early, folks. It is. It it's very early. Okay. And we'll, we'll get into that here in just a little bit. So um, when we get back, we will be joined by Hogball Blog, uh, his second appearance on the podcast, and we'll break down some of this basketball stuff. We'll be back here in just a few. 
Okay, so at this point, I'm sure you're all thinking, how do we find these guys' insightful opinions on social media, right? Well, it's pretty easy. You can find me on Twitter at Steve underscore NSS, and you can find my co-host Andy on Twitter at RedThunder501. And of course, you can find our content on all social media platforms by searching Natural State Sports on your favorite social media outlet. Oh, and do me one more favor. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share this podcast, and please leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Got confident in their strokes when they get open. Jones pushed and got it to go. Mason Jones just invents ways to get buckets. And Rick, man, so that was about the 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 uh, the extent of the excitement this week. Had to open with a Mason Jones co SEC player of the week. Co again. Yeah, we're gonna get into that here in just a few minutes. I've got some thoughts on that because um yeah anyway. So we'll get into that here in a few minutes. Uh once again tonight we are joined by Mr. Hogball Blog himself. How are you tonight, Mr. Hogball Blog? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Man, can't complain. Pretty so good, pretty good. I know we were talking beforehand, you're busy writing all day, so you, you this is this a welcome reprieve for you? Oh, yeah. Anytime I can just hop on here and just talk Razorback sports, uh, it's a welcome, welcome event compared to what I've been doing all day. That's how we feel. Yeah. <laughs> it was a tough, it was a tough weekend um, as, as Razorback fans. So uh, a couple of quick notes from the SEC. So Kentucky clinched its 49th SEC regular season championship. They want to um, They will be the number one seed in the SEC tournament. Six teams rank in the top 50 in the NCAA's net rankings right now. Um, so all 14 SEC schools have played schedules that rank among the top 100 in the nation. So the SEC is, is pretty strong this year. I don't know you know, I don't know what your thoughts there are. You guys' thoughts are, but um, pretty strong league this year. Um, you know, Arkansas has definitely struggled as they got into SEC play. But um, you know, as we look back on the week that was, Hogs go one and one, eighty six sixty nine win over Tennessee, and then a ninety nine eighty nine loss to Georgia. Of course, like we said, Mason Jones, co SEC Player of the Week. So um, just a you know, kind of an up and down week as it's been all seemingly the last few weeks of the season. Um, what were a few of your thoughts on the week there, Hogball? Well, it was Tennessee was a great win, obviously, and I think last time I was on last week, you know, just win, baby. He went out clearly in the NCAA tournament picture, took care of business, dominated Tennessee at home, kind of gave them taste their own medicine back after they dismantled us <laughs> in Tennessee. Yes. Um, so that's probably the best we've played all season too. We were fully healthy; it was fun. We were up and down the court. We were. Scoring in transition, scoring off isolation, scoring off our half court offense. I mean, it just, we, we couldn't be stopped, honestly. And we forced so many turnovers. I think we ended up forcing 10 turnovers in the first half. It, it was just a very, very strong game all around. Um, and so you think after you play that sort of a game, you go in, you go at Georgia, which is normally a pretty tough place to play. And you think you're going to come off your best game of the year. You got NCAA tournament implications. You think, okay, we're going to come out hot. You know, um, the past couple games, Musselman's been uh, lying on the floor and rising up like the Undertaker in the locker room, uh, coming back from the dead. We're, we're, we're keeping our, our tournament hopes alive. And then you just come out completely flat. You're down 14 to nothing. It was. 40 to or 38 to 18 or something at one point two or down 18 or 20 in the first half. And to our credit, we fought all the way back. 
Yeah, I mean, to our credit, we fought all the way back, but I just don't see how you can come out that flat. I mean, they were hitting shots and all that kind of stuff too, but man, I don't see how this is a team that Tom Tom Crean has at 15 and 14 right now. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was questioned a lot as to how in the world that team can be 15 and 14 with the amount of talent. But, um, you know, getting back to that Tennessee game, this is one guy I want to talk about just based on his performance. And we talked a lot last week about Isaiah Joe's return. Um, but man, this guy right here was was a a bright spot on a really bright night. Um, but we'll talk about where he went after the fact. But let's let's uh, set this clip up for a minute. This is about twelve and a half to go. Um, you know, Tennessee had really fought back. I think they'd had about eleven to thirteen point run, gotten the game to within about two. Um, and and at this point, the Hogs were up fifty one forty three. And this was a big transition in the game. I think this is really where Arkansas kind of turned things around. But um, this was big at this moment here. Shot clock under 10. Fulkerson carving out space. Rejected. Henderson back to sender. Jones is fouled by Vescovi. What a performance by Ethan Henderson. We mentioned that he got the start, his second start of the year. Rebounded the basketball. This time against a veteran player, he takes the bump and has his third block of the night. Valuable to have an inside player with some size respond for this Razorback team. Three blocks, ties his career high, and another three for Isaiah Joe. Ten points for Isaiah Joe. Sills and Joe. So Henderson plays 30 minutes in that game. He didn't score a lot, obviously, um, but he made a huge difference. Some hustle plays early. Um, He seemed to be all over the place with blocks and steals. Um, Looking at the stats here, he only had two two attempts, but he had four offensive rebounds, five defensive rebounds, nine total. Um, Well, he only fouled it three times. Um, What you got over there? Three blocks. Yeah, and three blocks. So, and I don't. And this doesn't show. I swear he had a steal earlier, at least a deflection that led to a steal. So, yeah. man, Ethan Henderson was was a bright spot in that game, and obviously his size was much needed. Oh yeah, for sure. And my whole thing about Ethan, um, he's an incredible athlete. Yes, um, one one of one of the best athletes uh, out of the state in a while. I mean, it's just as far as pure athleticism, he's a freak. Um, doesn't have a jump shot or really any post moves and it kind of gets lost on defense sometimes, man, the effort has always been there. Um, so the fact that he was able to get minutes, have that effort, excuse me, have that effort on the offensive glass, like he always does. But the the key was he played without getting in foul trouble. Um, you, you mentioned he only had three fouls that entire game. And I think against Georgia, he had three or four quick ones. Um, (laughs) so, his biggest issue as far as being a contributor uh, rebounding the ball and making effort plays, he just can't get in foul trouble. He can make plays still and, and kind of get lost on defense. He's done that before because he's such a great athlete. He can kind of overplay on defense and get beaten, have a recovery block just because he has such a long wingspan and he does have a quick recovery step, but you can't make an impact if you're not on the floor. So if he's, constantly getting in foul trouble i mean that that hurts us obviously but man that was a huge performance and i really hope it's a sign of him kind of turning the corner you heard in the post game how musselman and jones were talking about we've seen this before he's taking it more seriously now this is kind of what we expected from e 
that's good to hear. I hope it's not just um, post-game interview talk. Like, it's not, oh, yeah, well, he had a great game. We're going to amp our teammate up in the post-game presser. Um, I hope all that's legit. I hope this is the Ethan they've been seeing in the offseason and they've been seeing in practice. You kind of have to think so with Musselman having to come along and has been starting him and playing him a lot more minutes, at least trying to. Um, at the very least, it would help us against LSU going down the stretch um, with all their size. And, of course, it's more depth and more size if we do make the NCAA tournament or if we're in the NIT. Um, it's just really good to have another big man and have more depth. But I, So for me, my concern would be how he – and I know it was a little bit different game plan, but how he disappeared seemingly back again in the Georgia game. And I know foul trouble obviously was an issue, um, but it just – it just seems that Ethan and really this team in general struggles, struggles with consistency. Oh yeah. That, that's one thing I noticed too, because against Georgia, you had three players score over 20 points. You had Joe and Jones, 26 apiece. And I think Sills ended up with 21. Um, Sills is your fourth leading scorer. Um, you, you expect that out of Jones and Joe and Sills every now, now and again, but Sills has been one of the more consistent players of late. I think he's scored double digits three or four games in a row now, 17, 16, 21. Um, but I, I'm kind of concerned, not, not majorly concerned. I don't guess, but it, it is kind of puzzling where you have games where Jimmy Witt just kind of disappears. Um, Notice that too. it may, it made a, mo- a lot more sense when we didn't have Joe because the middle was getting clogged because there wasn't another shooter on the floor to space out the floor. But there's games like the Georgia game where he does get looks and he, he hits a couple, but then he doesn't shoot the same percentage as he as he's capable of, or he doesn't score as much as he's capable of. Um, I, and I don't know exactly what the deal with that is, but that's kind of puzzling for a fifth year senior who is, who is so consistent and, and one of our best players for the first 18, 19 games of the season to kind of kind of just disappear every now and then. Do you think that's got anything to, to do with the amount of effort he's putting in on the defensive side of the ball? Because, I mean, him and Adriel are obviously our two best defenders. Sorry, Andy, I'm taking your question. Um, but, you know, I mean, obviously he's, um, you know, legs go, I think, and I've made this point a few times throughout, you know, this year on our podcast. But, you know, my concern all year has been where the legs would go, especially how intense they play on the defensive side of the ball. He's got, he's got old legs. Old legs don't wear it today. Yeah, right. So, I mean, you got to wonder how much fatigue is 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 part of that as well as you've seen his shot, even that mid range shot, kind of disappear at times, and and you know his defensive intensity is still there. So he just just kind of makes you wonder. I mean, and you're probably not wrong at all. I mean, that's a very good observation to have, especially in the Georgia game because he was the one that was guarding Anthony Edwards, potential number one draft pick, and just a behemoth of a of a man. Um, Jimmy Witt is tall he's lanky but he is not 245 pounds of pure muscle like anthony edwards is no that had to take something out of him he was trying his best to hold his own and he did a pretty good job <laughs> of it early he did. The game, it kind of I got mean, away from him i mean but there's only so much you can do anthony right. edwards is one of the one of the best players in the country um you can only slow him down you can't really stop him i think i mentioned that <laughs> um either on my Twitter, and if you want to follow my Twitter, it's literally just at Hogball Blog, H A W G B A L L Blog, all one word. Um, but I, I mentioned that at one point. Um, 
just that we had to slow him down, whether that was with Adria or Wit, but you weren't going to stop him. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think, like you said, they didn't do they didn't do bad. He only had ten in the first half. Really, Rashawn Hammonds was the difference in the first half of that game. Got seventeen. Um, I mean, first half over. Yeah, and at one point they were what fifteen out of twenty from the field. Yeah. Uh, in the first half, they shot fifty six percent. Arkansas shot a shot 37 percent. It seemed like twelve. It did. But and I don't know. I don't know if you know off the top of your head. I didn't pull the stab, but I don't believe that Georgia's three point percentage for the year is forty five and a half percent. So. Um, you know, they they just they were fairly unstoppable from the field. Pretty sure that's the most threes we've allowed all season in one game. Yeah, if it wasn't, it had to have been close. It was it was rough for sure. Well, not not only is that the most threes we've allowed all game, but I think I'm fairly certain that is the highest percentage that Georgia shot from beyond the arc all year. I, I don't think they're a very good three point shooting team. Well, that's what I, I thought. I don't think Sounds they're very like good. I, I think they're like thirty percent, maybe. We got their best effort. That's for sure. Well, and I made this point a couple of times in a couple of group chats and as well as is on Twitter in general was, you know, Georgia's – I think what they've given up five or six double-digit leads this year. So, for them, you know, I you felt like we had a chance. No, I mean, I thought we had a chance. We did. We did get back into the game. We just, One point. We just couldn't finish it off. But, again, when you give up 99 points to a team that – that I know is not averaging 99 points. I'd have to pull those stats, but it was, you know, that was that was pretty frustrating. The defense does seem to be kind of losing their legs a little bit here as we get late in the season, and for some reason more so on the road. Yeah, and it's, it's especially frustrating when you kind of lose that mentality of, oh, it's a road game. It's going to be even more difficult. When, when you win three or four right off the bat like we did early. I mean, we lost at West Kentucky, but pick up a win at Indiana, pick up a win at Georgia Tech. Um, the bank was open. Pick up a win at Ole Miss. Like, you're winning on the road consistently early in the year in pretty tough environments, tough, tough teams. Um, so then to kind of, towards the second half of the season, kind of wane off from that, and you drop one at Missouri, um Florida is acceptable. I'm not going to sit here and say you drop you can't one win in Florida. Florida if your name is Arkansas. It's just <laughs> it's just almost impossible. You're playing eight on five ball the whole time. Yeah, the women's team figured that out. Mm-hmm. No, and in football back in what was that 2009? Yeah, we've had plenty of the football realm. I think the football <laughs> team lost this weekend too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Well, no, they won because the dead period's over in recruiting, so they got some big, big names on campus here right now. So, football team may be winning. That may be a change in change in direction for the week we needed. Maybe Chad Morris talked to the basketball team and the baseball Let's team. Let's just not even go there. Sure. <laughs> just Who's look. Chad Morris? Yeah, right. Who is that guy? Never you heard know of him. That guy. Never heard of her. He had a house. <laughs> yeah, it was a nice yeah. house. Real nice. Yeah. So. All right, so we talked about this last week. You know, we've, we've we've dissected, I think, basketball, the games as much as we really need to. I don't know that we want to delve into to a ton of it. Um, I mean, did you have any more thoughts in the way those two games went this week? Not really, no. Not I think we've pretty well covered our bases on those two games. Not much more to say. You have your best game of the year against Tennessee and then just a disappointing start and can't crawl back in it. We got Georgia's best game against anybody probably this year. That's probably their best performance. (laughs) It was up there. (laughs) 
So we talked about the tournament. I think team rankings had us at about a 31% chance to make the tournament the last week. Uh, that number's dropped to 17% this week. Um, I mean, obviously, we've got a huge uphill battle to roll run here. It's probably probably a little too late, to, to, but hope is not all lost. I mean, there's still a chance. But how do you feel now after the one in one week about this team's tournament chances? And if they're going to get there, what do you think – they got to do to get there. Obviously just win, but you know, so we figure they got to finish out these last two. You can't lose to LSU at home and A&M on the road. Um, but then you got to thank the SEC tournament, which we'll get into that a little bit too. But what's your thoughts there on the NCAA tournament? How should hog fans be thinking? Right. Well, I think last week I had mentioned that the one game we could afford to lose would be the Georgia game. And we did that. <laughs> unfortunately, um, but if you go online, you look at bracketmatrix.com, and it has all of the official brackets. I don't know the exact number of how many official brackets they have, but it's a, it's a compilation of all of those brackets, and it's the most accurate system for predicting the field. And Arkansas is actually in decent position. Uh, we're, in, we're the last team in the first four out categories. So we're the fourth team out right now. Um, so obviously you want to win these next two games and winning one in the SEC tournament would do nothing but help obviously. But I think regardless what you're going to need to see is you're going to see, you're going to need to see a bubble team or two uh, drop a couple games. Um, we're going to need some help from these other bubble teams, um, especially like a team like Providence who has a surprisingly very strong resume, but they're barely above 500 because they had some terrible losses early in the year. But then they play in probably the toughest conference in the country. Um, and just, I think they're in third or fourth place in conference. Um, or at least they were a couple weeks ago when they have multiple wins against ranked opponents. Um, so you're going to need teams like, like Providence and NC State, um, can't think of many others off the top of my head. Oklahoma, uh, they're going to need to drop some games and kind of help us get back into that last four-in seating. Uh, winning against LSU would give us another quad one win. It would put us at 19 wins. Um, that would be close to where we need to be. Um, and then close out with A&M. That would be a, another road win. And all that good stuff. <clears throat> so, obviously, just win the next two. Hope for the best with some other teams across the country and win one or two in the SEC tournament. All right. If we get the two wins this coming week, which I'm going to ride till the wheels fall off thinking we're going to get into the tournament anyway, how many wins do you think we need in the SEC tournament with the two this week? If you go ahead and were to put those out there. You think you need I two or do you think you three? Now, I think a lot of that depends on what happens around the country, too. That's kind of what I was getting at in my last answer. Um, I want to say if, if everything goes like we want or need it to, at least for the most part, I think you can get in with only one SEC tournament win. If you win these next two this week and win one in the SEC tournament, that'll put you at 21 wins. Um I think that's good enough to get in with the soft as the bubble is this year. Yeah. And so statistically, I mean, and we talked about this last week, but statistically history shows that 21 and less is, is a pretty, pretty low chance to get in. So, you know, I think, 
I really think we need to get those two, you know, my personal opinion, I think if we can get to the, get two in the tournament and get to 22 wins, we're going to be in good shape. Um, you know, it gives you a couple of more opportunities, obviously. Um, we'll get into the SEC tournament here in just a minute, but, um, you know, depending on who those matchups are. And then, like you said, I mean, anything can happen too in some of these conference tournaments, one of these, you know, one of these bubble teams or one of these teams that we're not expecting goes off and wins a conference tournament that throws a wrench in everything. Yeah. It's going to hurt a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah. So keep an eye on that. Well, so it's going to happen. So looking forward, currently Arkansas ranks 11th in the SEC based on tiebreakers. Um, but if I'm reading this right, Arkansas could finish anywhere between seventh and third. I guess seventh and thirteenth theoretically. Um, <laughs> with with you know, so right now A and M is sitting at eight and eight and seventh, but and then Georgia down at five and eleventh and thirteenth. Vanderbilt's pretty much out of the mix, but um, you know. What does so Arkansas if they can beat LSU um, and A and M, you know the teams ahead of them. Tennessee's got a couple of tough ones with Kentucky and Auburn. We got to be really need to be rooting for Tennessee to drop both of those. Um, you know, probably the same for Alabama, don't you think? I, I don't remember who Alabama's playing because are they still playing South Carolina or yeah, they Vanderbilt are Missouri? Alabama? Yeah, Vanderbilt Missouri. Odds are they're going to win those, but they are at Missouri, so that could trip them up a little. I might see them splitting that, honestly. Yeah. So, I mean, you got – so so A&M's got Auburn and Arkansas. I think A&M – I think you made this point last week, but I think they lose both of those. Um, oh, yeah, I think so, too. Tennessee's at Kentucky, and then they finish the season at home against Auburn. I mean – I think they lose out. Top two teams in the SEC. Yeah, I, think, I think they lose out as well. So, you got Alabama splitting. So, that would put A&M and Tennessee at 8-10. and 10. Um, That would put Alabama at, what, 9-9. Nine and nine. Um, Missouri finishes. What is that? At Ole Miss and at Alabama. Alabama. That's right. Duh. We just talked about that. <laughs> they might drop both of those. Yeah, Good. absolutely. Uh, of course, Arkansas's got LSU and A and M, Ole Miss, Missouri, and Mississippi State, and Georgia finishes with Georgia. Who is that? Why can I not read that? Which one? Who is Georgia? Georgia plays. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know what that is. It's a typo is what it is. Yeah, I don't know what LS would be. So LSU. Maybe it's supposed to be LSU. LSU. That would make sense. It didn't print the U. All right. I like how Georgia plays Georgia, though. Yeah, how does Georgia play Georgia? The SEC messed up on their graphic here. This is not me. This is not my prep. <laughs> this is what the <laughs> SEC actually sent out to in their email to us this we week. Borrowed it. So I just took it from them. But anyway, so back to my point. Um, you know, as we look at what this team needs to do right now, they're set to play. You know, in the first round on Wednesday, we want to avoid that if possible. I would think and get that extra day of rest. Oh yeah, for sure. So where do you think this team realistically finishes out in the SEC? Well, we kind of just walked through that just then. So probably end up being what eight or nine. If we yeah. can finish seventh at the highest, and Alabama ends up going nine and nine, and we finish that put us at eight and ten. Probably end up at eight or nine. Okay. Yeah, and that would. So I'd be curious how the tiebreaker. Let's see, tie because that would. We can't have a tiebreaker with Alabama unless they lose it. Well, it wouldn't be us, but that would put us in a tiebreaker with A and M and Tennessee theoretically, based on the the numbers that we just looked at. So, um, you know, I think Arkansas, you know, obviously we want Arkansas to get in that top 10 and get that bye. So um, it'll be interesting to watch these last two games and see how Arkansas finishes the season out. Yeah, it really will. Um, LSU coming in again, of course. Will Wade, probably my least favorite coach in the SEC. Um, LSU that. and all, all their size. Um, 
hopefully we can get that win at home. Um, I'm just, I'm excited, but I'm nervous about that game. I'm not really worried about a and I know everybody's talking about Buzz Williams as he coached the year. Um, they're playing a lot better down the stretch, all that kind of stuff. I just, I still don't think they have the ponies right now. Well, I wasn't really um, worried about Missouri, but look what happened there. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> fair. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm I'm kind of, con- I'm, I'm really concerned about LSU, if I'm being honest. It's two of us. Yeah, I, I, I mean, LSU has given us fits. They're so athletic, like you said. They've got such great size. So I'm, you know, that game concerns me. Obviously, you lose that game and your hopes are dashed. I mean, I don't knows, know. maybe Henderson will show up like he did against Tennessee. I know that'll help out on the rebounding side for sure. Hopefully, being at home, if he shows up like that, I think we can. I think we can win that game. We were so close out down there, and just out rebounded. Was it like twenty six to one or something like that? Offensively, yeah, it got way pretty up bad. There. It was ridiculous. And to lose that point, that game by two points. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's talk about the player of the week situation because I think this is the one thing that Arkansas fans are all kinds of up in arms about. I went back a little bit this week, and I think it's it's kind of funny. We got a player being recognized. I think we should be excited about that. But um, it is kind of frustrating and has gotten annoying. So I went back and looked because I was curious. So this was what I think week seventeen um, of player of the weeks. And only five times, let's see, one, two, three, four, hang on. Yeah, so five times this year they have, they have, there have been co-player of the weeks announced by the SEC. Three of those times were Arkansas. So three of those five, uh, Isaiah Joe and Nick Richards both got it in week eight. Uh, Mason and Reggie Perry in week 13 and Mason and Quigley in week 17. So is there a conspiracy against the University of Arkansas? I'm not going to say that there's a conspiracy. <laughs> it certainly it, it certainly doesn't look good. Um, and it is very frustrating. And, and I, I get a lot of people on, on Twitter who are like, oh, well, it's just it's a regular season award or it's a weekly award. It doesn't really matter, all that kind of stuff. And and, you know, I, I kind of understand that argument, but at the same time, you have a, a guy who is just, in, in Mason Jones, who is just completely outplaying pretty much everybody in the conference right now. And nope. I, I just think it is an insult to his hard work and his talent and everything that he has done this year to put him as a co-player of the week multiple times. Um or I guess just two times. Put him in um, a Kentucky jersey that all changed. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I mean, well, and that was you, kind of, he'd be first round draft pick status. Well, that was kind of my frustration too, though. Is I mean, like, so quickly got it last week too. He was by himself player of the week, and then gets it this week. But when you look at the stats, so. Please don't spill that water there. So it's not on the electronics. So May, Mason scored. He, he averaged thirty-one and a half points last week. Two and a half rebounds, two and a half st- st- assists, and one steal in those two games. Whereas Quigley averaged twenty-four points. And he did have eight and a half rebounds a game, two assists, and one steal, and wins over A and M in Florida. I mean, come on now. Like I know the guy did well the week before. But Mason, just plain and simple, outplayed him this week and deserved this honor this week by himself. Oh, I, I 100% agree. And I get 
some people are going to say, oh, well, they, they won both their games. Well, it's player of the week. It's not team of the week. Um, and that, there was that uh, Saturday down south rider, too. He didn't even have Mason in his top five or player of the year. He was talking about, oh, well, he plays on a six and nine team in the SEC. Well, it's player of the year. It's not team of the year. I think that team accomplishments are too heavily weighted by a bunch of sports riders um, for individual awards. I mean, if you're if you're going to name it a player of the week or a player of the of the year type thing, then you don't need to factor any of the team's accomplishments into that. Yeah, but your um, team sucks, so you can't count for this. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it, it, I mean, it's similar to the Heisman Trophy in football, but like if you, if you play on a team that wins seven games, you're probably not going to win the Heisman, even if you're outright the best player in college football and you're the number one draft pick or whatever. Pretty sure that happened to an Arkansas player at least once. Yeah. Maybe, maybe twice. Maybe yeah. twice in a row. <laughs> well, I mean, you look like, so Mason Jones is one of three players nationally to have multiple 40 point games, 41 against Tulsa, 40 against Auburn. I mean, that, that was there. So, I mean, that's wild. First one to do it in the conference since 2008, 2009. Yeah. He's had seven 30-point games, and it's the first one since Jody Meeks. Yeah, and the uh, dude, over 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 a decade. So, I mean, yeah, yeah he, he, he doesn't deserve player of the year. No, he's single-handedly he gets another one just to get above that. So, I mean, it, I think if he pulls off eight 30-point games, uh, I think if they don't give it to him, there's something wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where with the amount of individual talent that has come through this league since 2008, for him to be one of three people to accomplish that, the amount of first round draft picks, the amount of top 10 draft picks to come through here. And I'm not sitting here trying to advocate that Mason Jones needs to be a top 10 draft pick. There's a lot more than just no, that to go into that. Next year. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. We need sure. him next year. But I think between team success and just perceived talent, I think those two things weigh too heavily into player of the year. Quickly does not have as good of stats on the year across the board as Mason Jones does, but people want to put him in the consideration for player of the year over Mason Jones because he plays for Kentucky and because he has perceived talent to be a top draft pick. He does not have the better stats. He does not matter more to his team than Mason Jones matters to Arkansas. That should be the criteria for player of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a is there a better player in the conference statistically for for his team? Does he matter more to his team than Mason Jones for Arkansas? No, he leads the conference in scoring. He's the only player to, to be top twenty in every single statistical category in in conference as a whole. Too, I mean, I can go on and on and on about this because it, it does frustrate me that so many people either have him at third or fourth and not even in in the category at all. Yeah. Yeah. 100% agree. He's, you know, there's, there's no, you know, and we talked about this last week. It's a lot like the Calipari thing as, as coach of the year. I mean, unfortunately, like we talked about a second ago, we go back, you know, to the, well, this is the program that's winning. So that's the program that's going to get all the awards when realistically you look, I mean, Arkansas would not be a 500 team without Mason Jones. Well, no, you take Mason Jones and swap him with Isaiah Joe and have him out for two weeks or five games or however long it was. I can't remember now. Five, yeah. And those losses were way worse in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, Mason just has, he can get, he can score in so many different ways that Joe can't. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, you look at it too, um, you know, you take quickly away from Kentucky and uh, do they still win the SEC? 
Yeah. I mean, there's a damn good chance. Right, exactly. I mean, I don't, they've got so much talent. I mean, they're just going to rotate another McDonald's All-American in there. You said they bring Evansville in or something to play him or something <laughs> mid-tournament, like a surprise game. Yeah, something like that. Or South Carolina. Yeah. Well, well man, we appreciate you joining us joining us this week. Uh, it's about all the time we got for basketball. But uh, remind everybody where to find you. This dude is a fantastic follow on Twitter. Um, one of the few that you can follow and not feel like you're going to get the emotional roller coaster ride that uh, that we go on with some hog fans. Most. Well, I appreciate you having me on again. I'm always happy to come on and just talk basketball. That's what I love to do, especially talking about the Razorbacks. If you want to go on Twitter, search my account. It's just at hogballblog. Hog spelled H A W G. I'm trying not to get in trouble with the university. I'm not affiliated with the university. Um, I do some different play breakdowns. Think you want to scroll back a week or two, you can look at me break down different plays um, pretty in-depth with the return of Isaiah Joe. I do analysis um, every now and then when I have the time. I cover some recruiting kind of stuff, too. And I, I research a lot of stats, too. So if you like following me, go ahead and follow me. Um, thanks again for letting, for having me on and just talking to you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. We appreciate you being on. Have a good one. All right, man. We get back. We're going to cover some baseball and talk about this 0-3 weekend down in Houston. Off and running is Austin. That ball's clubbed to right field. This ball has a chance to go, and Robert Moore has homered. Look at the reaction from the 17-year-old taking Cavalli deep. What an at bat. <laughs> Wow. Oh, How would man. you feel to hit a home run in a major league ballpark when you're supposed to be in high school? Off of a potential first-round pick. Leave that out, but just throw him <laughs> right. <away>. I mean, <laughs> I, to him, it's probably no big deal. You know, he's been hanging out in the Royals ballpark since he was like, what, five? I mean, something so, like that. And, and before that was the Braves. He's probably hit a lot of bombs in that stadium or in major yeah. league stadiums. <laughs> I mean, golly, though, that kid, he's something special, His man. His Twitter post this morning, from what I think it was this morning, that's all about. You know, hey, bear with us. You know, yeah. we're going to the tell spot. That's not a post a seventeen year old kid makes. No, and I mean a seventeen full on grown up. Yeah, dude's hitting three forty three. Dipped just a little bit this weekend. Three forty three. Tough weekend for it, everybody involved. It was. I mean, he still had a fairly good weekend though. It's such a tough weekend. We gave him gave a first round pick a break. Yeah, yeah. Go sit on that pine, son. <laughs> right? No, yeah. We'll get into that here in just a bit. Yeah, um, man. It, <sighs> It's a frustrating weekend. This was not the Omaha's team that we've become accustomed to watching. It, it well, I say not the Omaha. It kind of felt like the team that was in Omaha last year that just didn't show up. Um, oh, they didn't it, show up. It, that's for sure. Yeah, and it, it started from the beginning. So, I mean, some good news out of the weekend. Top player of the week um, was Heston Heston Kerstad out of the weekend. Well, uh, surprise, surprise. Yeah, three games. Three games started. Thirteen at bats. Seven hits. A double. A home run. Just missed a game tying second home run yesterday. Of a check swing. Yeah. Good two, two RBIs, three runs, and then took that one ball off his knee that looked pretty rough. Any other park in the country other than than Fenway or that monster wall they've got down there, and there's a couple others, but 
any other park in the country, you pretty much count that one. Yeah, he, he, he didn't miss it by much. It hit that little ledge at the very top. So, um, final slash line, 538, 846, and 571. Multiple hits in all three games, including three against Texas. So, um, he has a hit in all 10 games this year. Um, same for Robert Moore, I think, is now up to a seven-game hitting streak. So, both of those guys are still hitting very well. Top pitcher of the week. Yeah, so this is uh this is some stuff that gets sent out from the Razorback actual from the baseball communications. Monk. Yeah, you know <laughs> or Vermillion. I, he looked really good last night. Zeb did look good. Um so they they put out and I almost can't disagree with this just because he came in and did so well, but Caleb Bolden also had a good weekend. Yeah, he'll uh, start some games this year, that's for sure. Yeah, went four innings, two hits, no earned, no walks, five strikeouts. Um, pitched third through the six innings of games of game two against Texas. So um, allowed just two singles in between stretches of five and six consecutive consecutive batters retired. So he had a really good game, a lot like Wick had the week before. Yeah. Um, high strikeout total this season in appearance. So he was really, really good. Um, Jacob Burton was striking out a few folks last night. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, some good things, but man, a lot of bad out of this weekend. The, Don't win games that way. Yeah, the, the pitching staff looked lost at times, especially starters, especially Nolan and Wick. Nolan came out on fire in that first game and then seemed to leave everything up from that point forward. And and, and so I don't know, um, you know, I don't know if the story there was the mound being a little a little different, a little different feel, because Wick seemed to struggle with leaving the ball up as well. So I don't know what happened with our pitching this weekend. Um, didn't do good. No, they didn't do good. But to your point, you know, we had a couple of a couple of pieces that did look good. And, you know, a guy like Caden Monk. Boy. Um, some of those pitches, I mean, borderline, well, they were unhittable at times. So, um, you know, so Arkansas goes down. They dropped game one to Oklahoma 6-3. to three. They had a 3-2 lead in the fifth inning before things just unraveled um, there in the fifth. A uh, lot of errors, I think. Let me pull the box score up. I think we had seven total on the weekend. A couple strikeouts. Yeah, uh, 42 strikeouts on the weekend. Yeah. In, I think, hang on. We have 18 against Oklahoma. Yeah, so you had 18 against Oklahoma. So 27 outs. We struck out. 18 times. So I'm going to, I'm going to find this stat here in just a second. Cause it was something that, uh, that Wes sent me the, uh, yesterday, but so 18 strikeouts against OU, 11 strikeouts against Texas. Wes, you're not allowed to go to a game ever again. So funny story. Um, he'll love me telling the story, but I get a, I get a text message in the Texas game. I don't know. It's probably about the sixth Third inning or so. And maybe, maybe probably before that. And he's like, earlier. he's like, I'm leaving. I'm done. And dude just left. <laughs> They just left. So he was like, my wife won't let me drink any more $13 beers, so I got to go. <laughs> I was like, well, can't blame you. So they got out, and he watched the rest of the game from their Airbnb. Um, Wes is not a good loser. I learned this well, at the College much. World Series. He does not do well with losing. Um, like I said, I learned that the hard way uh, in, in Omaha. Um, but he did, you know, he had a couple of interesting things. I was going to bring this up real quick if I can find it. This is good stuff. I'm sure you have something over there, right, Andy? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I'm hunting through. Here we go. So 42 strikeouts and 109 at bats on the weekend. Compared to just 26 hits and 109 at bats on the weekend. In a little bit of defense of our own team, I'm not trying to make excuses, but we did get each one of those teams best pitchers. Basically for the entire game. 
Well, and they were going to bring it against us. I think more so than their focus than what it was for any of the other games that they played. Yeah, I agree. But so Cavelli was the most imp- impressive pitcher I saw all weekend. Yeah, um, five innings, six hits. Three earned, no walks, 11 strikeouts. One home run to a 17-year-old. Yeah. So, we, you know, we actually didn't do badly against Cavelli. We chased him with a 3-2 to two lead. Um, should have had an opportunity to win at that point, and then the error onslaught began. You know, in that uh, in the Oklahoma game, we committed two errors. And, and let's see. Is that the one where Casey threw the ball into the stands? Yes. Okay. So, Casey I had his, at the time, fourth error of the year. And – Excuse me. And Braden Webb had his second of the year. So um, both of those, you know, those were big, big errors. Casey just, you know, Casey just wasn't there. It didn't seem like hadn't been there all season, which we'll get into that in just a second. (laughs) Um, Earned him a seat on the bench. Yeah, he did. And and it's a well-deserved seat on the bench. So he stays there this week, too. He at least let him sit through this game tomorrow and and then see how things you know how things go. I wonder if Dave Van Horn's got him over in the corner going, you sit over there with your nose in that corner until you figure out what you did wrong. Well, let me tell you, come talk to me. Let me tell you this: I got this message from somebody that I, I mean, obviously highly trust, um, good source within the baseball program, and this was a quote that uh, that I got right here. This was from a player's dad, said that Dave Van Horn gave the entire team the Augie Garrido treatment last night after the last game against Baylor, told the freshmen to get ready to play. He's not going to let them bask in these these accolades. So Van Horn's not happy. We may see some wholesale changes for the game tomorrow. I know Blake Adams has, has been tabbed to start. That's not a surprise. Um, but, man, we, I think this this weekend series. Kurt, Curtis Washington. Yeah, I want to see some Curtis Washington for sure. Trey Harris still hit the ball. He impressed me a little bit last yeah. year. But I'd like to see some of these guys we haven't even seen on the stat line. I mean, we got stuff sitting here in front of us. It's everybody that's played. and. Neat. I mean, Curtis Washington's played in two games, and he's had one at bat. Yeah, you know, and I really thought we'd see Curtis yesterday in game three. Um, you know, we were – I was talking with my brother and a couple of other folks about the lineup, and and I initially figured with the fact that Casey Martin was going to be riding the pine that, that they would slide – uh, They'd slide Cole Austin to second. And, um, and I did think that Kerstad would go to first, and I thought they'd put Gregory in right. Uh, but, they, you know, it ended up Austin at third. Uh, it's another one I'm not keen on just yet, that Gregory. Yeah, you know, he had a rough weekend as well. Um, he's a really good ball player, though. And it's not, I mean, if he's going to – I mean, there's other people they can put in that leadoff spot, though. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that. They jumped what more way up there. You know, he started the season at ninth, and he batting second. <laughs> hard, hard not to move him to that point, though. As good yeah, well, as he's you're been. not going to leave him at the bottom of the lineup like that for sure. Yeah, no. Franklin no. had a little dip, but I mean, you know, it's expected. Yeah, nobody um, really had a good game other than you know more and Kerstad, in my opinion. No, not at all. And I, I was looking. Where was that number? Uh, Goodhart didn't do too bad. I'll give him that. It was. It seemed like he waited till the end of the game before he started hitting the ball. <laughs> You're not kidding. He just missed that one on Saturday too. That just about won the game for about us. Four inches worth. Yeah. So I mean, and and to think about it. So you know, hog fans, and let's let's go ahead and get into that for a minute. So hog fans have been freaking out over the last few days. Most of those hog fans that are freaking out probably don't really understand. I mean, it's baseball. It's not football. You don't play twelve games a year. Basketball, you know, you play a few more, but baseball is 66 games, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. You ha- you're you not going to win every one of them. If you think you are, you need to probably go 
go do a little research for yourself for before you speak out of turn, maybe. Not trying to get on anyone, but uh, well, there's a few. We'll we'll get on one here in just a few minutes, but um, yeah, I mean, the frustrating part to me, and I've made this point, I made this point when we first started this podcast several months ago. Baseball season is probably the most frustrating for me because I am I love baseball. I played baseball for a long time. It's a sport that I've been around for twenty plus years. Um, I love the game of baseball until you coach some t-ball kids. Love it, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ooh, that was fun. Um, But yeah, so I mean, I, I love the game of baseball, but it's the most frustrating right now as an Arkansas fan because Arkansas fans are begging for a winner. And that trip in 2018 to the College World Series was... It was it. it. Well, it was, and they should have won it, but it was almost like lighting this big fireball that's just continued to grow within the fan base. And what I mean by that is you you have... We now have fans that never paid attention to baseball. But the excitement around baseball really started to blow up and folks started paying attention. We saw some of this last year because last year was a year where no one expected this team to do a whole lot. You know, and now they're expected to do a whole bunch and you're hoping not for a letdown in my yeah. opinion. That's what I would kind of kind of been running back and forth through my mind is you got a team that's expected to be there and it's been predicted in some polls and stuff on Twitter. Not to see polls, but writers and stuff like that predicting them to win the whole thing. Yeah. You know, and and I'd love to see it, but yeah. you know, at the same time, as if if they don't make the World Series this year or just get to the big dance, it's I called it the big dance. I'm an idiot. Yeah, same difference. Yeah, <laughs> get there. You're you're gonna have you know, people that don't really pay attention to it, and they're gonna erupt again for no reason. Yeah, absolutely, and it's. I don't know, man. Folks, folks got to calm down. This is a this is a really, really, really good baseball team. Don't Kate, let three games early in the season fool you. No, and I mean they're still seven and three. It's not like they lost games. Now they go out and lose tomorrow to Illinois State or today or whenever you listen to this podcast. I'll be driving to Fayetteville. Yeah, they go out and lose to Illinois State, and they go out to lose this this coming up weekend to like South Alabama. I think's who we got this weekend. You lose those series. And, and I mean, you're now, now we've got something to worry about at this point. I'm really not concerned at all. I don't think you got to worry. I think you've got some questions that need to be answered, but you have time to figure it out. I will say this. So we'll go ahead and jump into this now. The one thing that I am worried about is, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I am really, really worried about Casey Martin. Yeah. You're not the only one. I know some folks have said, oh, you know, don't worry about it. It's early. But here's my problem. And I made this point on social media. A week ago, I caught hell. I got blasted by folks on social media when I even mentioned the idea of Casey Martin going to the bench. Now, I think I said it before you did. I just didn't put it on Twitter. Hey, let me just make this point. If you're listening to this podcast and you're one of the people that blasted me, I'm waiting on my apology because, the, you know, Dave Van Horn seemed to agree over the weekend. Nobody's and, blasting him. And, and I think what's funny is people have made this. I love the people that come at me with the, well, you don't know baseball. I played for a really, really long time, and I know more about baseball than hardly anybody here. Get your own podcast and talk about it. Yeah, you want people to, I mean, and that's, that's you know, go go talk about it, but you don't, You at this point, you have no idea what you're talking about. The One of the arguments has been, you know, well, you know, you got to let a baseball player play through it. Here's the problem. You can't let a baseball player play through it when he's one of the most important players on your team and he's hurting your team every time he steps on the field. This isn't a guy that's only hitting 183. This is a guy that's got the most errors on the team on Rue 
15 plays. This is a guy that looks uncomfortable every time a ball comes to him at shortstop. His mind is going about 9 million miles an hour, and it needs to go about 15. Yeah, and again, and this is a guy that... It should be a trot up there, scoop it, put it in your hand, and throw it to first. Well, But so here's here's my concern, though. These are issues. These aren't issues that just started this year. Okay, so if if this guy came into this season struggling, okay, we could blame it on okay, it's draft year. He's he's pressing. He's a little worried about where he's gonna if he's gonna land in that top Pre-season five. Preseason All American, first yeah. round draft pick, you know, on the board. But but these issues started also said to be best shortstop in the country. Yeah, and that was actually just Baseball America put that out again over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, he's on our bench. Yeah, and so you look at it and. It, these issues started the end of last year. These issues they rolled at the end. Well, you know, two thirds way through the season, he started to fall off. Yeah. Well, and then the postseason, and of course, Omaha was, was a disaster. Non-existent in Omaha. Yeah. Well, most of the team was. He came defense. up to bat against Texas Saturday night, and I got a chance to finally see the end of that game. And it came up with a stat line. I'd been listening to it. And I've n- used to is all right. We got Casey up here. We got a chance to win this. And then truth be truth be told. One swing of the bat, and he can change that game. Oh, yeah. But did I have any confidence in it? Uh, I don't know if you did. I I was sitting there going, yeah, this one's done. And I usually don't do that with baseball. Well, all my hope in that scenario was this is an opportunity for for Casey to gain some serious confidence. Maybe he should have got hit by a pitch or something just got on base. I don't know. Something, anything at this point. Because I do, like I said, I think that – you know, I, and I think I put it out on Twitter. This is an opportunity for Casey to to write a lot, write a lot of these wrongs to that you effect. Just wrong some more, and and yeah, I mean, and so you know, Van Horden made the made the comment after, and I let me make sure I have this here in front of me because I think this is important. I mean, I do have a friend that we talked to a couple of weeks ago that was definitely on board with saying he needed some sort of, you know help of some type. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, so that was, you know, that's coming from an ex pro ball player. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's, you know, that was, and that was my point, you know, and Van Horn came out after, and this was even, these were some of the arguments I had after Van Horn said this, but this was, uh, this is actually from Kendall Rogers um, said uh, after Martin's performance uh, against Texas. So he's had a, he's had a few of these performances and there's really not much you can say anymore. It's his battle and he's got to get through it. I'm probably not going to play him tomorrow. He needs to sit over here in the dugout and watch. (laughs) He said, I want to win. He said, I want to win every game, but sometimes sometimes you got to do what you got to do. So, I mean, the argument isn't, you know, should Casey sit for an extended amount of time? The argument is, you know, what are they going to have to do to get Casey's head right? Because it's obviously, it's obvious he's not a hundred percent in the game. He's moving much. He's moving way too quick mentally. Um, so many of these errors have been just on routine, easy plays. He hasn't made an error on a play that he should make an error on from what I've seen. Right. Everything that I've watched him make an error on or a boot or anything has been your simple ground ball that's to your glove side. Nothing's been, you know, turn the glove over and have to get something silly just to get the ball to first. It's literally having to wait on the ball. Yeah. Well, and and unfortunately, you know, Casey's struggles seem to extend to a lot of the hitters this weekend. And I made this comment. Or Slider. Kev, yeah. Kevin Bohannon and I One went back and forth with this over the weekend watching the games. And one of my biggest concerns, one of my biggest concerns out of this weekend was pitch recognition. It's been an issue for Casey, but when my wife and I can sit here and call every pitch that's about to be thrown and I can sit there on one and two and go, that's going to be a slider in the dirt. We should be recognizing that and having the having the wherewithal. 
Don't swing at one and two. Pick up that pitch and understand that ball's going to be in the dirt. That's he's what they throw, throw all night. He's not going to throw you a ball to hit if he's got a if he's got a pitcher's count. Well, no, and not when you, you don't have to when you're that far ahead. You're going to throw something nasty. You're not going to put it in anywhere where he can put it in orbit unless you hit something that hangs. If yeah. you throw a curveball that hangs out there, that's on you. Mm-hmm. But when you throw it in the dirt and you're going to give them the out. Go sit on the bench. Think about it. But this should have been, like I said, he started doing that last year real bad. Yep. He, well, it's he not was just, a stud as a freshman. Looked great. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, we got two more years of this. Yeah. And we've gone downhill. We have. And, I mean, last year wasn't a bad year. It was just way down from what it was his freshman year. He still hit more home runs. It's a bad thing. Yeah. Up inside the park, if I remember right. Yep. And so, I mean, you know, but the whole team seemed to struggle with with their their plate present or their pitch with their ability to to read pitches. Um, you know, their 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 approach at the plate was really, really, really bad, really all weekend. I thought Sunday. Now I'll say this: I thought against Baylor, they had a much better approach. They hit the ball really hard against Baylor. Baylor made some really good plays. They had Boy, the, they? the 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 catch there at the uh, diving center field against Kerstad. Yeah, diving center, the play and left snag at the wall, at the, snag by on Nevin. third base. Yeah, and then the play at third. Well, Nevin's daddy was a pro ball player. Yeah. It was that like the number one draft pick if I remember right? Yeah. Too. So he came out the same year Jeter did. Yeah. So I mean, I'm you know I'm a big you know they, so Baylor really did well defensively in that game to keep Arkansas at bay, um, you know and, and really you think about it they played a good game they did and and Baylor went three and zero in this thing no one saw that coming no one had Baylor going three and zero in this um, nobody had Arkansas going zero and three in this they didn't and, and and you know going back to the pitch recognition the one thing that concerned that concerned me too was um, let me find so against Texas Arkansas actually had four errors Zach Gregory had yeah. two of them. Opitz, uh, Opitz and Martin. Yeah. Um, actually I think they charged that one to more. I don't know. I don't know how they've got this all messed up. Um, but what I was getting, so whoop, that's going to fall. So Kettler, Hayden Kettler, and I made this point before, and y'all probably thought I was an idiot, but before before the game. I just thought you were an idiot for the 11-4 score projection. Well, yeah, but so before the game, I thought this offense would step up. I mean, they, I thought this was the game. The Baylor game was the game the offense was, was going to step up. It was the best opportunity for them to step up, and they didn't. Hayden Kettler had struck out four batters all year. He struck out five yesterday. Mm-hmm. He'd struck out four all year. He was a D-bag coming off the mound for yeah. half the time. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, but, I mean, can you, can you blame him? Well, no, I mean, he was dominating us and, and so, I mean, in five innings, he struck out five, had one walk. Um, man, I just, I don't understand where this, where the, where, where the he bats went this weekend. Oh, I thought Kerstad was going to. Uh, I about shed a tear on that. I was like, <laughs> you don't walk down there. That's a rough shot, man. It was. I thought it caught him in the thigh at first. And then I come back, I was like, oh my God. Yeah, it was, that was rough. I, yeah, I thought he was going to throw that bat. Throw that bat. I was like, man, he, the only thing I could think when he threw that bat was James Harden bouncing the ball up his face. <laughs> I was like, please don't smoke Come yourself back. in the mouth. Yep. Um, but I mean, all in all, Arkansas gave up 17 total runs, but only 10 of them earned. So that uh, our three six zero team ERA in Houston um, struck out 27 batters, not quite the 42 that we had. <laughs> um, only gave up five walks. It was just it but seemed unearned runs. Us. <coughs> yeah, oh seven unearned runs on the weekend. I mean that's the difference in all three games. We had three unearned against Oklahoma. Yeah, pretty sure all three of them they got late. Mm-hmm. Well, all of them the fifth there. So I mean, you think about think about Sack you lose, bunt. you lose. We didn't even get an out on. Yeah, on the whole weekend you lose by five for the whole weekend, mm-hmm. and you had seven unearned. There's your difference. Oh. I mean, and and so 
while hog fans are freaking out right now, the fact of the matter is, is as bad as this team played, you take away an error or two in there and this team wins all three games more than likely. So, you know, it sucks. You know, I was frustrated with the, with the approach on Saturday against Madden because, because while Madden sported a really nice ERA at a 0.60 coming into this, into that game, he didn't do anything spectacular. No, nope. he threw the same sliders that kicked our butt against Oklahoma and we chased them all night long. And it was Absolutely infuriating. You got. I your, don't get how Thompson doesn't get on top of that. That should have been nixed th- Friday night. Well, and I think it will be. You know, I think I think Thompson they'll have that handled this week. Like, I mean, obviously Van Horn's already in their ears pretty hard. The the next two weeks are two weeks where this team can get things right before we open SEC play at Mississippi State. Um, and so right now, you know, this team's got two weeks to get things right. I think what do you got? Well, not quite two weeks, but um, you got. What three, four, five, six games or so in there? I think before we play Mississippi State, pull the schedule up so it's in front of me. Yeah, because I had it here a minute ago. Yeah, that's right. So you get uh, you get Illinois State, and then three against South Alabama, two against Grand Canyon, and then Mid- hopefully we'll see State. a yellow hat. I was mad I didn't get to see a yellow hat this weekend. Yeah, I would like an explanation because the explanation that I was given was that those hats Charmers were going to be worn for that. So um, maybe they're going to run out there in mustard and ketchup uniforms, and they hadn't got them made yet. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. We can call, call it hogamania, not yeah. hulkamania. <laughs> So as we look forward to this week, this will be a game that we won't uh, um, won't be able to preview on the podcast. Um, and I don't know, this may actually this game may already be played, but I'm gonna give you our preview on it anyway. Um, so actually, you know what? I skipped something. Uh oh, I skipped something. We're gonna have to go back here for a minute. What did you skip? Our good buddy Josh Alberius. Blank that dude. Yeah, right? I'm <laughs> not even going to say it. You wait. put in your own expert. You got a beep over there? Uh, wait, wait, wait. I might have something for him. I don't know. Let's see what we got. Got I him mean, saying uh, no. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Let me borrow his uh, I got, gas I got, card. Oh, come on, man. Like, that fairly fits with what he had to say. Yeah. So anybody. Like a backhand sound and him slapping. Oh, gosh. I wish I might have to add some more sounds to this board. Um. Let me get that tweet out. So if anybody, if y'all didn't see it, I, anyway, I don't don't recommend you go follow Josh Alberius, but so this was the tweet after the Texas game. He says 90% of the people stating a negative opinion about the Razorback game were at home on the couch. If you truly cared enough about what you're talking about, then you'd be in Houston at the game. How much do you think a weekend in Houston costs? Bunch. That's why I didn't go. So before (laughs) you start pecking your lives away tonight, put some gas in the truck and roll. How about you get a bus, world, and you pay for it, and we'll all go get on with you. Okay, first you off, some of that big league. Oops, big league. Yeah, You're still there. He pitches in the Marlins organization, I think, yeah. maybe still. If he does, then it explains why he has such an issue with fans because none of them show up to watch them play. <laughs> nope. So he 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 had more fans on a Wednesday night at Bomb than he's had in half a season in Miami. The team's giving away all the talent. Yeah. Had. So, but. So at this point, what we're being told by X player, and I get it. Look, some people got personal. Some people made stupid comments. You got to watch. It shouldn't happen. It shouldn't. And you got to wash those things away. We had these conversations during football season. We don't deal with it. We're not going to bash players in that manner. I'll give you my opinion on what I think is going on, but I'm not going to trash a player. Now, that being said, 
what Josh Alberius said was absolutely Trash completely. The fan base yeah. You did. So basically what he's telling folks exact is opposite. if you don't drive to every single game, you're not a fan. Do you understand the amount of money that I have spent uh, you and I, people <laughs> we know have spent on this program? This is here in general yeah, well, already. To go to Omaha, to go, you know make that trip. My GoFundMe didn't work. Right. <laughs> well, you had you had extenuating circumstances. No, but the first one I didn't. I just that's my, true. Nobody wanted to help me out. <laughs> Church. But so I mean, but I mean, we spend a lot of money following this team around, and you know what? The but people now that I get good parking. This is true. <laughs> but I'll say this too, though, for the people that don't spend a lot of money that, to follow this team around because they can't afford to do it, that don't make them any less of a fan. I promise you, they're raising the they're wearing their Razorback gear, and there's 20 of them sitting in their living room on a Saturday afternoon watching football, baseball, and basketball. You can't sit here and bash a fan base for for being passionate. But then expect them to show up at the ballpark the next day and continue to be passionate. If you're going to turn around and bash them, if I had my way, I would show up at every single. Absolutely. Game. If I watched all but maybe three games last year on my iPad, mm-hmm. stuck in Oxford, Mississippi. So I mean, it can be done. You can watch them, but I, I mean, certain times you just can't get out and go. Yeah. Well, and I We're mean, not all millionaires. Well, and it's me. not just that. I mean, we all got lives. So I mean, people got to work. People got things to do. Cheerings. But it's just that that whole situation drove me nuts. The, the, these football players that have come out and said their pieces about those kind of things in the past. But for Alberius to come out and make the comment he did and to really just throw probably three-fourths of the fan base under the bus was pretty shitty. Um, so, you know, but so as we look forward, we're going to we're going to look ahead here to, to uh, tomorrow to this midweek game. Um, so Illinois State comes to town. This is a really good opportunity for Arkansas. Um, let me pull this back up on my computer because I didn't feel like printing anymore. I'm coming back, I promise. All right. He's lying. <laughs> um, so, um, so, like I said, Blake Adams gets to start tomorrow. Um, They're starting Jack Anderson is his name. Yeah, I was going through this trying to trying find Trying to figure out. I'm curious to know, like I said, with the shakeups and what they're talking about, throwing some freshmen in there and ready to rock. I kind of want to kind of predict a lineup, but at the same time, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be tough, man. Yeah. It'll be really tough. So this was a club that was co-champions of the MVC, the Missouri Valley Conference last year. They not actually, bad. they they took Louisville to the ropes in their regional last year. So this is not a bad, well, wasn't a bad team last year. Might be a um, different. Picked, finished third this year behind Dallas Baptist and one other. Um, we run rolling them. I would hope so. We're run rule. Yeah, I, I would hope so. They're, they're, they're picked to finish behind actually Dallas Baptist and Missouri State. That's two really good mid-major programs two to be picked. there every year. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, that that's tough. But now they've had a tough start to the th- to the season, three and seven start. Uh, they've dropped series to Little Rock, Oklahoma, and Louisiana Monroe to start the season. Um, you know, they've hit – See, they've hit four home runs in a three-game series against ULM over the weekend. So, uh, so their bats seem to be picking up a little Kerstad bit. hit four home runs by himself in a series. Yeah. And they're coming off of a loss to ULM 26-8. to eight. That's what's going to happen tomorrow. I hope so. I'm going to be that guy and be Steve. 11-4 against Baylor. <laughs> they should have beaten Baylor 11 I knew should've you ruined him. Just like you did with the basketball game. Tell me, oh, yeah, we're coming back. 
So in, uh, disqualified from now on. <laughs> we're doing it. Just be quiet till the end. I got to stop. Fault. I got to stop giving predictions. Those haven't worked out for me very well. Predict a loss or a close game. Yeah. Uh, so Arkansas seven and two series lead against Illinois State. We've actually played these guys nine times. Last meeting was in two thousand and seven in a midweek game that went ten innings. How much are we paying them to come here? I don't know. It's not quite as much as in football. Speaking stuff. of money, oh boy. I need some. Who wants to give me some money? Well, I mean, don't anybody on here wants to give out some money? We'll gladly take it. Yeah, we'll take it. But the talking about the uh, baseball team actually showing up in the black. Yeah, that was something like eight hundred thousand in the black. Almost a million dollars. Yeah, I didn't in the black as a program, and baseball is usually it loses money. Yeah, yeah. There's not many programs out there. Maybe three or four. Right. Maybe a couple more, but it's a very very small number of teams that actually pay for themselves. And then some. Yeah. So I like Arkansas tomorrow. I'm with you. I'm not going to give a score, but I do predict that Arkansas wins this game handily. Um, They better. Yeah. Well, they should. Now, if they don't, and we're talking next week about a couple of losses between now and this weekend, then we got more to be worried about. But um, in general, I like Arkansas's chances tomorrow. I'm curious to see if Martin gets the start or if they sit him another game. So, um, And I'm real curious to see what Van Horn does with this lineup. Like you said, it'd be interesting. It's going to be fun. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So when we get back, guys, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL scouting combine as well as a little bit of recruiting. So uh, you're not going to want to miss it. We'll be back here in just a few minutes. Big. Looking for more baseball coverage? Don't miss Around the Diamond, presented by Natural State Sports. Join the baseball guru Kevin Bohannon and myself every week as we discuss the biggest prep and college games in the state. Just search Around the Diamond on your favorite podcast app and subscribe so you don't miss this week's episode. Oh, Lord. Oh, I'm laughing. I'm almost crying. Oh, Andy's over here. I am. I am crying. Andy's over here dancing. If only you could see it. It's um. Maybe we should do this live and on video. From no, there. I don't want to look like that other guy that had a shirt on that was really tight. <laughs> Our Papa previous G-Names. idiot of the week. Uh, mm, mm. <clears throat> so, four guys participated in the NFL scouting combine last week for the Arkansas what? Razorbacks. C.J. O'Grady, who had some interesting comments, his actually. Cheyenne. Cheyenne, whatever. Had some interesting um, comments in his uh, his uh, interview session talking about... Kind of owned it. Things. He did. You know, he did. Might be a problem for what he uh, you wants know, to do, but he did get it out there that he quit, you know. Yeah. And, and I mean... <sighs> So I got, I, look, I don't like I don't it. blame him for it, though. I don't, to an extent, either. We don't know all the inner workings. I'd love to have him on the podcast, like, and just give us a true read of what actually happened in that situation, because there's been a lot of I rumors. I bet he would. And it's maybe, maybe probably. He's not going to hold back. We're no. going to have a, probably have an E on that one. <laughs> More than likely. It would be fun, though. Um, oh, for sure. But all in all, he had a pretty good showing. I mean, uh, in the 40, he was 14th out of all the tight ends with a 4 8 one, uh, 12. 12th in bench press reps with 16 and a 34 inch vertical, which was good for ninth among tight ends at the combine. So not a terrible weekend for him. Um, probably didn't do a whole lot for his stock. Um, the guy will play pro ball. He will. Down. He's that guy. He will. But instead of being a third round pick, he's going to be in that five, six round. I would he'll think. be a deal for somebody. Yeah. It'll be. What was Kittle a couple of years ago? Oh, that's a good question. I don't. I don't think he was a first rounder. No, I don't think so. So third to fifth, somewhere in there, and look what that guy's doing. Yeah. Now the question will be mentally: Is he there, and does he does he buy in? Because you know, 
the good, I think he will buy in because they will be buying into his pocket. Well, and that I think that'll help a lot. That and, and, and coaching in general. I mean, look, don't it's a different I, level. It is, and he's going to get good coaching. And, and that's not a knock on on Barry Lunny, who was our tight ends coach. I know those guys did everything they could with him, but you know, like you said, maybe having money in your pocket, maybe that changes his mentality a little bit. He always had that it factor when yeah. he was on the field. I mean, the game against Colorado State. Not trying to get back into football that much, but you know. It just shows how bad somebody can want it and, you know, what you can do just to not stop. And that's what he did. Yep. Do I think he'll have the career that like a Hunter Henry's going to have? I don't don't think so. But I think he's a he can make a big time play. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, he's his he's hands got, are pretty good. Yeah. He's got a ton of talent. Like I said, it's the, the question is going to be, did he did he sway anybody in the interviews this week to really take a chance on him? Um, you know, there's no question he's going to get drafted somewhere, some way. Um, it's just going to be curious to see where he lands in the first round as a quarterback. Well, and the good thing too, though, the good thing I think for, for Cheyenne in this situation is that he'll probably, I mean, he has an opportunity at least to wind up on a good team. Um, you know, it's not like he's going to get, he's too key. I mean, obviously he could end up anywhere, but he has an opportunity to end up on a good team. And, and, and one thing to, to, you know, to, to think about, you know, I don't agree, obviously, whatever happened while he was here with Bielema and the suspensions that happened in that situation while well, during that time frame. But, you know, like you said, I almost can't blame him for the situation no. at, at, with, with Morris. For, with everything that's come out since that situation ended, knowing that the coaching staff was basically not co- not communicating, they were running around like chickens with their heads cut off. 30% had, of the playbook. 30%. Yeah, yeah, they knew 30% of the playbook. I'm not going to lie to you one bit. I'd like to see him in black and gold or black and yellow, yeah. the way you want to call it. Yeah. I mean, I, we're good over in, in San Fran at yeah, uh, tight end. So. I'd like to, I'd take another tight end, Why not? especially one like him. Yeah, I mean, he could. Hey, he could flourish there in Pittsburgh. So I, it wouldn't be wouldn't be the end of the world at all. Um, I hope he gets a really good shot. I'd love to see him playing on Sundays, and and so we'll, get we'll see what confident, happens. I'm confident he'll be drafted and he'll play. Right, we'll see what happens here in about a month. Um, so Sosa Aguim, um on the defensive line, he was 24th on the 40 time with a 498. That's why he never returned to kick at Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> I'd still love to see that. <laughs> and That's then, a lot of man. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, hurt. <laughs> and then he was 10th in uh, bench press with 27 reps. Um, so, again, again, the, the numbers aren't jumping out at you from this. You know, we've questioned him as far as was he a bust from, from, from basically a five-star, one of the top-rated players. He got moved around a lot. But he didn't seem – now, he, he's got some love. He's got a ton of athleticism. We'll see how he grows into I think his the is NFL team. where they put him. Yeah. I think if they – you know, he's, what, 6'3"? I'd have to pull his actual stat – or his actual size and stuff. I don't know, but something like Coming that, up yeah. there, you know, upper two, two upper 200, close to 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. But when he came out of college, or out of high school, I think he was like 265, 275. You know, he might be one of those ones that with that extra 20 pounds or 30 pounds on him, it might change how quick he is. Yeah. You know, you get the weight back off of him, you put him on the end. I mean, he might be able to do something. You put a little more weight on him and put him interior, but I mean... I mean, those, a lot of those guys, that, well, most of them, pro ball, they're they're bigger than that. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Have something special. I think unless things just change dramatically between now and the draft, he'll probably be an undrafted free agent type guy. I don't know that you're going to see his name called. Um, 
you do, it'll be real late, but we'll see what happens. It shows you what those stars mean. Just right? to put that out there. It's true. And I mean, again, he had a lot of stars are just that they're stars. There was a lot of inconsistency in the coaching staff at Arkansas in his time here. So hopefully again, he's a guy that has a really good opportunity at the next level. He's got the size, he's got the talent. Um, it's, you know, or, uh, he won't come up as well as like a Phylon did right. or, or a Trey Flowers or something. Oh like gosh, that. no. Yeah. So Scooter had a decent showing now. Um, he was 18th in the 40 among linebackers of the 469. Um, you know, just a little bit behind that guy, Isaiah Simmons, if anyone's ever heard of him, because Brett Bielema hadn't. We don't <clears throat> offer those kind of players. No, we don't know where to put, put them. them. Yeah, we just, you know, let them, well, you know, just let them go to Clemson. Yeah, um, play for a national title, win a couple, you yeah. know. I mean, can you blame the guy? Now he's going to go be the number, potentially no, number one he pick. He wanted to be in Fayetteville. He did. Dream school. That'll that'll make five or, six, five or six receivers total that were faster than that man this weekend. Yeah. And he's 235 pounds. Yeah. It's wild, man. Uh, 18 reps on the bench press, which was good for 14th, and a 33-inch vertical, which was good for 16th among linebackers. Um, good showing for Scooter. I mean, not not going to blow the, the doors off of anybody. but um, He's one of those it-factor players, though. He just, on the field, he's Different. Yeah, so he'll fit somewhere. I, he's going to be a guy that's going to get drafted probably. Look what in, Greenlaw did this year. Yeah, well, oh man. And, and now if he if he projects that way, that's a different animal. Now that that'll be fun. I've always thought that that Scooter was just as good, you know, on the field as what Dre was. Right. Well, they were together. They were mm-hmm. they were damn good. So. And- I mean, I think he's got it. Yeah. We'll see. Like I said, shorter, though. I, I think he'll be a four or five round guy somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, that's where he's probably going to land. So, uh, and then good old killer Cam. Um, oh boy. Yeah. So I know initially when I started looking at numbers, Cam was uh, in the seventh, was a seventh round guy. I've not looked at any updated mocks since the, since the combine, um, but he came out 12th in the 40 with a four, six Oh at safety. Um, not bad for his size. No. Number one on bench press, 24 reps. Swole is the goal. Yeah. And then 13th on the vertical with a 34 and a half inch vertical. He actually had a better vertical than anybody else that tested at the combine from Arkansas. Even Cheyenne O'Grady, who had a 34 inch vertical, is a half inch better. Half inch. Yeah. So, I mean, impressive numbers from Cam. weight difference between them two. Yeah, a little bit. Impressive numbers from Cam. I mean, we know how athletic Cam is. He got put in some un. Great, not great positions. I mean, you look at how he was, you know, he's got some of the same issues what Sosa did. Yeah. You know, just the coaching staff and everything. And that's any player that comes out of Arkansas. Hopefully that's going to change. But, you know, just the past few years have just been rough, just mixing them up. Yeah. I told you at the end of that season, I thought he was going to try to go pro. And you were like, no, I don't think so. And, well, let's hope, I hope it works for him. I really want to see him do well. I'm still surprised, but I do think that he's going to be the guy – um, that uh, a lot of SEC experience that kid has yes. three full years of starting and, and all over. I mean, he mm-hmm. started at corner, started at safety. So, to me, That'll I mean, help him. to me, he's the guy that's going to be able to to incre- incre- improve his draft stock the most over the next month or so. We still got the you know the pro days and everything like that. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, but will I mean, these let, numbers will they let O'Grady do that or not? Um, it's up to the school, but I would think that they would allow him to. I would think they would allow him to work out. Well, with he him. represented him up there this weekend. So yeah, I, I can't imagine that they wouldn't. That's I hope pretty they normal. They that need they to would. let him do that. They should. And again, with him coming out and owning owning the whole thing, and and just you know, it was an immature decision. I get that. And and again, I hope he's grown. I hope he's learned his lesson. Um, Ryan Mallett effect. Oh man, but I'm um, a good football player, but I'm dumb as a stick sometimes. Yeah. 
But I do, you know, I do think Cam's got the best opportunity to really improve his draft stock over the next month um, of all of these guys, and 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 I look forward to to I th- again. I think he's the guy that you're going to see in that four or five, maybe sneak to a three if a team really falls in love with him. So we'll see. I mean, his size, his intangibles, his talent is there. The numbers are there, so it's obviously you know a great opportunity for him. Um, so switching gears a little bit, we're going to stay on football, um, but we're going to jump into a little bit of recruiting. So the dead period ended at twelve. Oh, one Sunday Can morning. Can I get a round of applause? Yeah, thank goodness we have something else to talk about. Um, lots of visits planned, but let me get over here into my information. The biggest of which started today. The number one quarterback in the state of Texas was on campus. Was on campus today. And apparently he had a pretty good visit. Yeah, 6'1", 185, Pound dual threat from Cedar Hill, Texas. He was here at nine o'clock this morning. Said he loved the visit. Got to see the whole campus, the indoor, the dorms where he'd stay. If I went, said it was beautiful. Uh, so it was surprising, but at the same time, the fan base let me know everything on Twitter. The fan base is pretty straightforward. It was everything I expected. Um, has offers from Auburn, Baylor, a uh, bunch of other teams. Being and he's being recruited here by Kendall Browse. This guy's something now. This guy's got a ton of talent. If you got an opportunity, go out and watch his film. Uh, again, his name is Kadon Salter, K-A-I-D-O-N Salter. Um, How do you spell that last name? Salter, S-A-L-T-E-R. <laughs> um, yeah, probably, yeah. So he visited Ole Miss yesterday um, and was on campus here today, obviously. so That's a pretty good drive. Yeah, yeah, you've made that a few times, haven't you? Yeah, you're – at least six and a half, seven hours. So looking at his profile on 24-7 sports, again, he is a four-star, 244 nationally. 24 That's on the composite. 24-7 sports actually has him rated number 89 in the nation, number four dual-threat quarterback. Uh, he's the number one quarterback in Texas. They have three crystal ball predictions in for him currently. All three of them have him going to Baylor. Um got to think that that starts to change a little bit as we start to move forward. Um, I, I don't know where Arkansas stands in this thing. It's too early to call as far as where he's going to land. Um, but, man, that's a big one. And so let me get the rest of this here. As Arkansas also has a ton of prospects headed to campus this weekend. Um, just give you a quick rundown of who they plan to have on campus this weekend. Uh, Michael Luntz, an inside linebacker out of Kentucky. Another per- Another need, I'd yeah. say. Brock Funk, a kicker punter out of Bryant, Arkansas. Got to have that guy. It's yes. a great name. Funk. Uh, get DJ Arkansas on campus. Yeah. Three-star defensive end, Tory Phillips out of Texarkana, Pleasant Grove. A lot of talent in PG right now. Um, if there's a reason you're going to start seeing a lot of PG kids coming up. When I say PG, that's Pleasant Grove High School in Texarkana. You're going to see a lot of those kids coming up there. They up Who's here. coaching down there now? Uh, I'm not sure who the coach is there, um, but I can tell you that there's a ton of talent there right now. I think one of the top top running backs, one of the top defensive linemen are both there, both have a lot of interest in Arkansas. It's a spot that Arkansas has really got to really get into pretty hard. Get some command down there for sure. Yeah. Uh, Mason Brotherton, a three-star tight end out of Mena, Arkansas. Uh, Jermaine Hamilton-Jordan, a three-star linebacker, outside linebacker out of Kansas City. He's got two last names. you got to like him. Yep. Melvin Swindle, a three-star defensive tackle out of Oklahoma City. Kewan Parker, a three-star corner out of Tulsa. And Roderick Daniels, a four-star wide receiver out of Duncanville, Texas. Keetron Jackson, four-star wide receiver out of Royce City. 
this kid right here is going to be the guy that Arkansas is going to put everything they have into getting. This is their number one receiver on their board. Yeah. His name is Keytron Jackson. He's rated um, very highly as wide. He's a four-star, rated 149 in the nation, number 23 wide receiver. Uh, Right now, Gabe Brooks just put in a crystal ball for him to Alabama. So we'll see if we can switch that. It says how talented he is. Yeah, I mean, sure. offers are Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, Baylor, TCU. That's his top offers right now. Um, obviously, going to be really hard to keep him away from Alabama. A long shot. Um, but Arkansas is – they are going all in on this one. Um, an O-lineman out of Bogota, Rivercrest, Texas, Cole Carson. And then three-star – a big one. Yeah. And then three-star linebacker out of Denton, Texas, Ryan – everybody's favorite new linebacker for the University of Arkansas because he's going to commit because he has to because his name is DJ Arkansas. It's going to be on the front and the back of the yeah, jersey. He has no choice. And he already, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and just predict it because when I tweeted out, I retweeted his offer and I said, hey, you might as well go ahead and commit because it's fate. And he liked it. So that means he's committing probably this weekend. I'm just, you know, just going <laughs> to rubber stamp it. You know how that goes with my predictions lately. So it's probably 100% wrong. Um, but a big weekend of recruiting coming up. Other guy who predicts stuff wrong on Twitter too. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's got a great name. No, he's been kicked off again. Really? He's gone again. We're not giving this dude any airtime, but he's what gone a, again. What a dingle bat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That dude is um special. Yeah, he's something, all right. He's on a different level. So yeah, I mean that that's about what we got for the for the weekend in recruiting. Things will continue to pick up here over the next couple of weeks, and I believe because um, this is a big junior day. This it's a long time to hang on to a kid from now, though. Yeah, well, I don't think we'll see too many guys making no, making decisions right so now. Either. It wouldn't surprise me to see a guy like DJ Arkansas feel the love and commit this weekend, um, just because there's there's just a lot of love being thrown out because <laughs> of that name. But it's big, great. yeah, big big um, junior day this weekend. They'll have a couple more coming up, so we'll keep. Keep an eye on that. Make sure you know who's going to be on campus. Um, but, uh, but yeah, big, big weekend on the Hill. So Andy, you got anything else for us tonight, man? Man, I am fresh out right this second. Fresh out. I think I've covered everything I've wanted to cover without being too mean to people. And, uh, you know. Well, that kind of takes the fun out. Got to be mean. mean. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You can be mean, but I mean, I'm, I'm a firm believer in you get more bees with honey than you do with vinegar. So. I suppose so. All right, man. Yeah, well, they I guess deserve it. they can get it though. Yeah. So I guess that pretty much wraps it up for us tonight. Don't forget this week, Friday, seven ish o'clock. Facebook Live, Zach and sometimes Katie and Will um, will be live on Facebook. So follow Natural State Sports. A beautiful make, shirt. Make, <laughs> That he needs to button up. Um, button your shirt, Zach. Button your shirt. Button your shirt. If only you guys could be involved in some of our chats. Oh, man. Um, Y'all would laugh like we do. Yes. But, uh, but yeah. buddy Carl might show up next week. Too. He very well could. <laughs> That's good yeah, stuff, right? Get it. Oh, we'll start dancing. <laughs> so make sure you follow that. Make sure you follow Natural State Sports on Twitter uh, or on Facebook. That way you can sign up for live notifications. You're not going to want to miss that. And uh, as well, make sure that uh, that you follow each of us on social media. Um, and I guess that's going to just about do it for us tonight, man. It's been a good one. Until next week, woo pig. Woo pig.